Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The draft wrapped up more than a week ago, but there was so much information that came out over those three days that I'm still working through a lot of this myself. So if you're the kind of person who sits through everything live as it happens, then this is probably information you've already heard. But one of the things I like to do is put the information from these press conferences in more of a logical order. You know, sometimes there are more follow-up questions from late in the press conference that build off earlier questions. And I like to go back and, and group these together. So let's kick things off with general manager John Schneider and head coach Pete Carroll offering their thanks to everyone involved with pulling off the 2020 draft. Pete mentions that this could lead to an evolution of how they do things in the future. I just wanted to thank everybody involved uh, in, in this process, uh, especially starting with the scouts, all the hard work that went into this, you know, starting la- at the end of last May or the middle of last May. And, uh, and then everybody, you know, with the IT departments and video and, and, um, it's been a huge project. Uh, and it's, it's been outstanding. I think everybody did a great job. Um, people, people did a, did a really nice job of really focusing and, and communicating very well. And, uh, you know, it's, these are, these are, these are tough times for everybody right now. And, and um, I'm, I'm very proud that the National Football League was able to put this together and that, you know, that all of us, uh, scouts, coaches, uh, you know, owners and commissioner, everybody, we, we, we got through this and, and put it together for everybody because I've been getting a lot of feedback that there was, it, was, it was a lot of entertainment and it was a lot of relief for people and provided a lot of hope. So, uh, yeah, Pete, did you want to add to that or? I think it's worth mentioning about really the vision right from the top of that, Roger, because we've talked to Roger quite a bit during this process uh, about, you know, how he's going to pull this off and how we're going to do it. And he really gave really sound leadership and strong leadership and had a real vision that it would be a, a could be a great event for the country under the circumstances. And, and everybody's looking for a little uplift right now. And hopefully that it served as that it sure seemed like it. We, we didn't get to watch the broadcast as much, but just the effort by everybody to pull this off and to make it happen. Uh, it's pretty magical. This this was this was a big challenge, you know, and and uh, we've learned a lot. Probably evolved quite a bit more than you would you might think um, in, in the way we'll do things in the future and all that. So, uh, but all in all, I'm glad it was a good successful event. We're really excited about what we've been able to do, and and uh, looking forward to sharing it with you. The first selection for the Seahawks on day three was in the fourth round, and they picked Stanford tight end Colby Parkinson. John Schneider recalls talking to Stanford head coach David Shaw at the Combine. Pretty cool. At the, at the Combine, Coach Shaw came in and said hi to Pete and I and uh, was bragging about him, you know, and loves him. And, you know, he's a huge target. has got great hands. Uh, you know, they, 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 they didn't have plans to play him right away, but he, he was just too good. And uh, you have big people like that right, running right down the middle of the field and uh, – He's he, he's he's going to be a he's a smart, tough, reliable guy, great guy, just off the charts uh, from a character standpoint. So, what does Coach Carroll like most about Parkinson? Uh, that he's been such a, a rock solid kid. You know, he's just been they, they rave about you know his commitment and his uh, consistency. And uh, I'm hoping you know with that frame that we can beef him up a little bit and he can become a really effective blocker force. Um, you know, he's an enormous kid, and, and uh, the, the catching stuff is all there. We, I'd like to see him develop as a blocker and become a, a unique player there uh, as a combo threat. 
DJ Dallas, their other player picked in the fourth round, was a guy who has played multiple positions at the University of Miami. What are John and Pete most excited about with their new running back? I would say upside, Pete. You know, he's he's a high school quarterback, went there as a, as a receiver, you know, split time with Travis. So, Pete, don't you – I mean, what, do you, what would you say? Versatility brings – I guess we're really excited about special teams. Uh, he's a guy with a really big attitude and personality about it and, and try hard and effort and all of that. So, uh, that with the mix, you know, he's been a wildcat guy back there in the backfield and uh, that – just adds to you know the makeup that he brings that makes him unique. Which so that, that's kind of the guys that we love to fall fall for, you know. And and uh, hopefully, you know, he'll he'll contribute in many ways. And so uh, versatility is a big deal with him. In the fifth round, the Seahawks doubled up on pass rush in this draft by taking defensive end Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. What's the contrast between Robinson and the team's second round pick, Daryl Taylor? Well, they're they're both kind of classic edge edge. Players, you know, they both have a good sense for it. They both have good get off. Um, they both play with good leverage. Uh, they they they're not just flashy guys. They have the strength and the and kind of the girth in their lower body that to to power around the edge and to turn the corner like the good guys do. Um, they they um, they're both real coordinated. You know, they they look skillful and and they they have technique that's going to carry over for, on, on our level that really clearly. And then we'll add some tricks and all that. So they really fit the bill, you know, and they look like you know, got one guy on one end, one guy on the other end, you could be pretty good over the long haul. It's, it's pretty darn exciting. So the great pass rushers have a knack, you know, and they have a knack for knowing when to and how to get it done, you know, and, and we'll find that out as we go through it. They both look very productive. Uh, I, I, I think Alton was involved in 18, 19 sacks in the last couple of years as a junior college transfer, you know, big production and, and, and uh, um, Daryl has, you know, has been real productive too, in the same kind of numbers. So, if you look at all the, the four guys that we've added that rush the pass, I think they are about eight, nine sacks apiece. So, when you put them all together, that'd be great. You know, these guys can come up and, and create, you know, something like 36, 40 sacks combined. Shoot, we will we'll really have, have, have hit the mark. Continuing on with Alton Robinson, he had interactions with current and former players because he was working out with them in the Seattle area. John and Pete said that aspect didn't play into their selection, but they were happy that he comes to the team now with some familiarity with current and former players with the Seahawks. He's, he's very determined to be part of something that, you know, unique and special. And I'm really excited about bringing him in. He, he just happened to, he's got some sense. Look what he did. <laughs> he came to town here and started working out with our guys. And, and uh, next thing you know, he's the teammate. So um, I'm going to keep my eye on this guy. I want to see what he thinks he needs to do next. <laughs> Cause that was pretty, uh, Pretty inventive. In the sixth round, they selected Florida wide receiver Freddie Swain. What do they see from the young receiver who played for the Gators? First and foremost, he's a really, really tough-minded individual. Tons of grit. Uh, very instinctive. Has played outside, played inside. He's a very, he's a very good punt returner. I would say, you know, from a special team standpoint, he's going to be a guy that's going to be uh, um, he's going to be in the mix right away. He's just got a great attitude about him. Uh, Aaron Heinlein and uh, and uh, uh, you know Alonzo Highsmith and uh, you know Matt Berry, the guys that went into the school, really liked the person when they left. You know when they left the school, they were extremely fired up about him. He's got he's got some swag about him. He's a smart football player. Uh, he's a competitor. He just he's going to be 
he's going to be a fun guy to watch. We're very, we're very excited. And he's one of those guys that studies his tail off. And so, you know, as I told you before, or as we talked about last night, it's been important for us to try to acquire players that uh, seem to be, you know, a little bit ahead of the curve from a uh, learning standpoint in this current environment that we're in. The Seahawks traded back into the seventh round, giving up a 2026 round pick to select Stefan Sullivan, tight end out of LSU. Considering Sullivan had limited production in college, John Schneider and Pete Carroll talk about what they saw in him that makes them believe he will produce as a receiver. They also talk about how LSU coach Ed Orgeron, or Coach O, wishes he could have used him more, but had a lot of talented players on that Tigers roster. Well, I think you hit it. You touched on it right there, right? He's playing. He's playing on a, a, a champion national championship team with a ton of talent, and you know they're they're trying to figure out where to play him. And you know, at, 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 I think they had like 178 players drafted or something like that. And you know, they're they're like that that, that place was. You know, Coach Coach O's got that place rolling right now, and uh, he's been around a lot, a lot of you know high intensity, high football IQ people that that uh, uh, really influenced the guys that went into the school, and then you know as our study as our studies continued throughout the uh, throughout the fall and and uh, you know into the into the All Star game when he got to the All Star game. I think you guys know Jim Nagy used to work uh, with us here in in Seattle and now runs the game. So we were able to get great reports on him down there and and spend very spend some real quality time with him and and uh, you know again Aaron Heinlein did a great job interviewing him and and uh, uh, really getting a lot of those boxes checked that we needed to get checked. Yeah, I would say to you that uh, the first thing that that Coach O would say about him is that they just with all of the talent that they had, they didn't use them enough and that they weren't able to get them in there enough. They, they, if they, they kind of kicked themselves. They wish they would have been able to. Um, that's why they moved them around to make sure that they did utilize them. Um, but he, he is really, he's, he's a young player at his position. So there's a lot of growth there, particularly the stuff at the line of scrimmage. He's a, he's a receiver. He's a catcher. Now he can run and kiss the football and, and he's, he's exciting there. We have to develop his game. He's very willing, which is the, the most important. And uh, at this point, as we transition, but uh, it, it's it's a harder evaluation, of course, because there was not as many plays. But you can see the talent. That was, you know, that's what we were excited about. We're real thrilled to be able to get him so late. After the draft, Sullivan spoke to the media and told his story about his situation growing up and how it has motivated him. He talked about staying multiple nights under a bridge, his violent father, both his parents being in prison at one point. So seeing how Stefan has responded to adversity in his life, Coach Carroll told him at the Combine he was going to make him a Seahawk, and it took that last-minute trade in the draft to help make it happen late in the seventh round. He was very open with us at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he was very, open with, uh, was very open with Coach McPherson, our tight ends coach, uh, at, the, at, the, at the Combine. I think Pete told him at the Combine that he was going to make him a Seahawk. And, uh, no, he, he's, um, you know, when you hear these, when you hear these stories, it's, it, it definitely affects you. And, uh, look, he's, he's, he's one of those guys you just wouldn't bet against. Pete obviously has a great relationship with coach Ogeron and, uh, Matt Barry and, and, uh, Scott Fitter and, and, uh, obviously Aaron Heinlein, who's responsible for, uh, that school all had 
very strong conviction for the person and how do you project that and what does that look like? And we'll figure that out as we go. Yeah, I, I got connected through really through Coach O um, as we talked about his guys and then this story. And he lit up about this kid. And so I, I had a special eye on him throughout the time and, and was hoping that we would figure out a way. We, we couldn't have waited a whole lot longer <laughs> to pull it off. But uh, we're fortunately, John made a great move late and gave us a chance to get, uh, get him in the program. But he, he's going to be – he was so excited and so pumped up about it, just like Eddie had said he would be. And uh, Ed told me he's going to be one of my favorite guys. And so all of that added into this his marvelous talent. And, and so uh, we'll see if we can find a good way to make it come to life and, and come to the front. It surely is going to be uh, on us because he's going to do his part. He has got so much energy for it, such a great motivator. It's a really good guy to bring the program. Pete Carroll goes on to talk about the type of role he projects Sullivan in. And the Seahawks coach says this pick is one of his favorites. He definitely has the ability as a tight end to be split out. You know, he will have no problem. That transition is he's way ahead of the curve you know, for most guys. Um, so that that's a strength of what he brings. Um, it, his his release ability as well. Uh, getting off the line of scrimmage is going to be, uh, he should be really good at that um, in, in, sh- in short time. Uh, and then he has such a big diverse route tree that you can go to with the kid, you know, so. It, we're you, obviously you're going to see him in the receiving tight end type of role as, as we develop him, but we'll want to balance that out as much as we can, as soon as we can, and um, we'll we'll go at it. So, so guys, really, this this is one of my favorites because we, you know, this is a guy that you know you look at him, you have to really project at what he's going to be like, and we were willing to do that, and John was willing, those guys were willing to look at this guy as a potential guy that we could, you know, create a maybe a real uh, uh, kind of a role for. Sullivan and Parkinson, their fourth round pick. Both played tight end in college, and the Seahawks already have Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, and Luke Wilson on the roster. When Pete was pressed on that, the coach says, we're loading up when it comes to tight ends. Pete says he really likes the amount of competition at this position in particular, and he talks about how unique some of the different players' strengths are. I'm really excited, but you know, always, you know, I'm, you're, you're going to hear me every time go right back to the competition. It can't, it can't be better than this one. Uh, the guys are different too. We have unique players and Greg is going to be such a good leader in this group. He's been such a dynamic football player. I would really hope that everybody's going to be better because he's in this group. Uh, he is so versatile and can do so much and he understands the game with such great depth. Um, so he'll, he'll take a lead on that. I know that, I mean, just take Will Disley. Will's going to learn a ton from Greg and Will has been a very exciting player when he's been available to us. So we'll see how he goes the whole group. So uh, there's a, in, between Colby and, uh, and and Stefan here, what we just did, you had two totally different guys. You know, they're they're just different style players. And again, we always like that. So well, let's just let let the games begin, see what happens, and see how it goes, and, and, and really make it a great spot for us. Remember that that, that we had um, uh, great play from Jake last year. You know, in, in a versatile role. And as we went through the season, we learned more and more about Jake. He gives us a chance to do some things that are unique just to Jake that nobody else will do. So. Um, it's been an off season of creativity for us to try to make sure that we open up the opportunities to, to showcase the, the guys' strengths. And so these new guys come in, they just add more dimensions to us and uh, looking forward to it. Looking back at all three days of the draft, which players were they most surprised to get where they were, especially considering how they were able to get a pass rusher like Alton Robinson in the fifth round? Yeah, but I'll, I'll go back up up to you know, getting Daryl, that was a big deal because we, we thought maybe we had missed our chance, you know, and in the sense that and we really wanted to get it, get him on, you know, on the rush group. And, and uh, so when we were able to 
you know, hang through it and get him. That was a big pick for us. Uh, I mean, there, as we go down the list, you know, it, every guy had kind of had something special to him. But then again, I, I was really surprised at, at Alton was still there um, because he, he he could be a big big help for our football team. Yeah, I would say Damian Lewis too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A couple positions the Seahawks didn't address in the draft were cornerback and defensive tackle. We'll hear why they didn't address those areas and hear them talk about whether or not the door is closed regarding a potential return of Jadevian Clowney. All that coming up next. Coming into the 2020 NFL Draft and considering that Jadevian Clowney remains a free agent, finding players to get after the quarterback was considered to be one of the team's biggest needs. So now, after doubling up on the spot during the draft and adding players like Bruce Irvin and Benson Mayoa in free agency, how does general manager John Schneider feel about the pass rush position right now? Very excited. Very excited that our, our coaches are excited and they're they're constantly putting together like a mix of, you know, how are we going to use this guy and how are we going to use that guy? And, you know, uh, Pete's, Pete's right. And, you know, it's probably a, a better question for Pete. Yeah, I th- we really did look at, at the issue of we weren't happy with, you know, the production of our pressure that we put on last year. And so we, we went after it. And I think, I mean, every move that we've made has really addressed that. And I think we have the depth that, um, that can really help us keep guys fast and fresh and get a really good rotation going. Hopefully the, the training guys will really fit in and do a job as well as uh, Jordan Brooks is going to help us too in his ability to pressure. So, um, I, we've addressed an issue and now we got to make it come to life. It doesn't mean anything, which try, <laughs> how does it work? You know, and we'll, but we're uh, we have really clear intentions. And I'm, I'm, uh, everybody was really excited about it. We started with, with getting uh, Jordan, but then co- coming back and getting Daryl, a guy that we could have easily taken with our first pick uh, if we had the opportunity, you know, that's, that worked out great. And I, I really fired up that we were able to get Alton where we got him. Because he's got he's got the ability in, in the production to do stuff like guys that got picked quite a bit higher. So uh, we we're fortunate to get that done. Schneider was also asked if the situation with Clowney was holding him up from doing anything else in free agency with the pass rush. His response was simply no. But considering those additions through the draft and free agency so far, does that mean the door is shut regarding the return of Jadevian Clowney? Well, we don't shut the door on anything really. I mean, that's it's. Uh... You know, we we we, we uh, basically with Clowney. Just I mean, let's put it out there. We, you know, he he did a great job for us. He's been, you know, he was amazing this past year. Uh, we were in negotiations with his agent for a long time, and and uh, you know, at some point you need to move on and keep conducting business. And it's not, it's not, it's it's not uh, Jadavian's fault. It's nobody's fault. But you know, we just. You have to keep you have to keep moving, man. You know, or or uh, you're gonna you're gonna get beat. Yeah, just staying in touch with him. Uh, you know, he's 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 kind of patient with the time frames that are out there and, and and all that. But he knows he knows that the Seahawks is is a place that he had some success and that uh, he had a really good time and he contributed to our club and all that. But it's a good it's it's pretty pretty good feeling for him being out there still. So you know, Johnny will take care of it. And if there's an opportunity that makes sense, then we'll 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 dive back in and pursue it. There weren't any additions to the middle of the defensive line in the draft. So how does Coach Carroll see that part of the defensive line depth right now? Well, we've what happens in, in the third down situations when we move guys around some, you'll see Rasheem and LJ will, will work inside um, along with, with uh, Jay Reed. 
So we think we have a nice mix in that regard. Um, those guys are developing pass rushers and they're learning their way and uh, both have a lot of ability and a lot of upside to them. So we can have some real fresh legs coming in with rotation. We have enough depth right now to move it around. Um, but you have to look at our de- the guys that play the five technique for us, the defensive ends, they are also considered inside rushers for us. So we'll have at least four guys to move in, in and out of there um, to, to keep the rotation going. We'll see how we do. Um, it's important that, that Jay Reed comes back to the kind of production he had a couple years ago. Uh, if he can have any kind of production close to that, with what we're doing outside, it's going to be a nice mix, and we should be really better than we've been. And that's a, we're real positive about that. That doesn't mean we're done looking; you're working either. You know, John's going to keep going and and keep uh, you know digging around, see if there's a guy that might might spark us in in there as you know as we always do. So, but pretty pretty fired up about it. Really, we're really pleased with what we've done. The Seahawks didn't select any cornerbacks in the draft this year, and have previously said that the nickel position is Ugo Amadi's job to lose. How's Coach Carroll going to create competition at that spot in particular? You're going to see us um, create the challenge there for him. And uh, there's there's some things that we're working at. I don't want to, I want to tell you all right now because I like to just keep it under wraps. But uh, there's some different things that we're going to try. Um, he, he did a nice job his first time out. He really didn't have much competition at it once he got in there, which was okay. That's how it worked out. But he's going to have some this time around. And, and he, hopefully he'll just continue to get better. He, he did a, you know, a reputable job, but um, we still we want to try some different combinations. If you remember, I mean, from one extreme, uh, you know, we had linebackers playing in the nickel spot. You know, Michael Kendricks was out there last year, and, uh, and that worked out pretty well for us for the most part. So that's from that extreme all the way to, you know, there's some other guys in the, in the ranks we're going to give some shots to. So let, let, us, let us show you when we get there. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Throughout the draft, veteran players like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner have been reaching out to the younger players right away. Coach Harrell talks about just how important that can be for the new players coming to the team. Yeah, our guys are pretty good about that. You know, and it's because they care. You know, they know the guys coming in have a have a chance to really help us. And so, so they're they're just competing. You know, they're competing to connect with them right away, make them feel right, and and, and uh, get them off to a good start. I, I was thinking about. Uh, uh, Stefan sitting there and all of a sudden Russell's going to text in to him or call him, you know, and, and think what a thrill that is, you know, and, and uh, it's just, uh, it's a big, big memorable opportunity. And, and our guys are looking for that chance to go ahead and make an impression on these guys. Looking around at the other teams in the NFC West, the question was asked about how John Schneider feels about how those other teams in the division did with their drafts. He doesn't really want to get into it, but ultimately we do hear some interesting information from both John Schneider and Pete Carroll. No, we're not. We're not going to get into that. Like I said, after after these after every every draft, you always feel like you know every, there's so much hard work that goes into it. Again, it's like it 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 feels like you know like a a surgeon, right? When you know you, when you say, "Hey, you know how did the operate? You know how how how'd the operation go with such and such player?" You never you never hear. You know, it was all right. It was average. You know, everybody's everybody's very fired up right now. I'm sure every team in our division is very excited about their players, as are we. You know, I was mentioning something that was different, I realized during the draft, is not having as many, uh, as much availability to all of the information that surrounds us in the war room uh, setup, um, where you have all of the, everything's listed and, and ranked, and you can watch kind of the, the draft come together. I didn't feel as comfortable with without some, some of the things that we normally have. John had a little bit more elaborate setup than I did. And, uh, 
there's just there's a lot i like all the input i can get you know and and uh, i didn't feel like i had as much as i were like i don't feel as comfortable knowing even you know how the, how they set up is like like i would normally so it, that'll take a little bit of homework on my part to catch up so it sounds as though the information coach carol had access to was somewhat limited pete also says that one of the things that has felt different is that the mode of communication with a lot of these players going into the draft was missing a specific connection there, there's a there's an emotional connection that doesn't it doesn't happen through Zoom. You know, there's a there's that whole life connection, all of those skills that we develop that are not available to us right now, and it feels different. You know, and um, as much as like the draft, and here goes Roger making his call, and the crowd's not cheering, and the you know, and he's not hugging the kids up the same way. You know, there's a different. We're in a different mode of communicating right now, and uh, it, it's it's. It's it's different, unique. You can see it, and we need to figure it out and try to maximize it. Relationships, like you talk, they're they're so important to us, and and but it's relationships on the, of a different nature. You know, it's we're talking through Zoom and all that, so it's a fascinating time. We'll see where it takes us. Not only has everyone been in a different mode of communicating during this time, there were some other things that impacted the draft heavily, and ultimately ended up impacting the draft on where players ended up going. You know, the, the, the inability to have the 30 visits and medical information on non-combined players, uh, not, not being able to have uh, verified heights, weights, and speeds was uh, definitely something that affected, you know, uh, a lot of teams. Uh, I think, you know, usually you get to like the second or third, I'd say really like the third round, and that's where the majority of what we call upsets uh, starts happening, where, <clears throat> you know, players start going a little higher than um, than we personally viewed them or our team viewed them. But uh, the, only, the only difference really was that you didn't see as many trades in the, in the first round. And, uh, but, you know, rookie free agency, which uh, our guys are still working on right now, uh, you know, really – they did they're, that's 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 really been intense and uh they've done a great job of uh figuring out how to coordinate that uh sarah my assistant sarah and and uh matt barry and fit or fit and uh trent kirshner and and uh matt thomas have they're just they've done a, they've done a great job with it considering all eight of the players the seahawks selected were from the top five conferences in college football is it fair to say there was an emphasis on targeting players who were more refined because of the uncertain status of the offseason? Absolutely. I mean, not, you know, not necessarily an emphasis, you know, from a conference standpoint, but an emphasis uh, to try to find people that uh, uh, we're going to be able to click with our coaches and vibe with our locker room and, and, and be able to do that in, in a very, very quick manner. And, so I thought our scouts did a very, very good job of, of uh, emphasizing that and working with the coaches in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, how they were going to fit, you know, for the, for, for the 2020 Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, we were so organized, you know, with, I mean, I could go on with a, a ton of names, but, you know, M Matt Berry and his staff, I mean, they did, they did Kirk Parrish, those guys, Trent Kirshner fit. You know, Nolan Teasley on the pro side, those guys just, you know, flat out nailed it. Now, you got to understand this is like, you know, 
uh, this is like when you come on, you hear a doctor, right? And he's like, you know, he never really says like, you know, surgery was all right. Okay. So, but um, we feel great. You know, we feel like we did a great job and I'm just super proud and thankful and, you know, feel blessed to be working with everybody that I do, you know, and, and uh, you know, Pete was, Pete was right there keeping, keeping things going. And, and um, I didn't feel like, like I wasn't with him at all. Um, he wasn't necessarily sitting almost on my lap like he does in the draft room, but it was, it was really close. It was right there. Compared to past draft classes, is this less of a developmental class considering the amount and the type of experience the players have coming in from college? Well, I think, you know, yes, but, you know, going back in at the end with, you know, with, with, uh, with Sullivan was, 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 uh, you know, a project that we were willing to, to, uh, take on. Everybody had a very strong feeling for him and, you know, he, he had a great, really great senior bowl, uh, playing tight end the whole time. And, He's played outside. He's played inside. Obviously, you guys know, I'm sure by now that he has an incredible, incredible story. So, and uh, we had a lot of buy-in from a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we quite frankly had a hard time deciding uh, between Swain and Sullivan. And, and uh, you know, we just we just uh, stuck with our board and ended up getting back in and, and getting Sullivan. But he would be the one person of the group, yes, to answer your question, that is – you know, uh, a little bit more of a developmental uh, prospect. What do they see as the challenge for managing a team of players in the upcoming months? Pete says the key part for him is continuing to be flexible and finding ways to keep the energy up. Yeah, we're really in, in the mode of adaptation, you know, through everything. Look what we just did. You know, everything is, is kind of fluid and on the move and, and you've got to be flexible. And it's going to be the same with, with, our, with our guys when we, we, as we start on Monday. You know, Monday at 10 o'clock, here we go. We're, we're into the virtual phase one for the first time ever. Um, our coaches have spent a lot of time trying to be creative and inventive in, uh, in, in how we're going to present stuff uh, to try to capture them. You know, one of the things about our program, it's so energetic and there's so much interaction and, and relationship stuff that goes on. This is going to be different and, and it's going to tax us in different ways. Uh, so. You know, we're looking for all of the the edges that we can find and the nuances we can create that will make this a really uh, special and unique time that will be meaningful. Uh, it's going to be different, though, of course. And so, um, we're all I can tell you is it is it's just one big challenge. And so, what we have to do as coaches is continue to, to push ourselves to see things new and see things new for the for the first time again. Uh, that, we won't know until after our first. We got to have a meeting with ninety guys or seventy guys are going to be on that 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 call on Monday, you know. And then I'm going to start it off, and here we go. And then they're going to split up, and they're going to have to go to their their own coaches, and you know. So we have to. I mean, just just think of the technical challenges that we have. But um, we have been practicing, like always. Whatever we're doing, if you you got to practice to get good at it, and our coaches have all been working at it, and we're we've been envisioning how this is going to go, and um, it, it's going to be really fascinating to see how we work. How does Coach Carroll plan to manage players who, in particular, have had family members who have been impacted by the coronavirus? Well, we're, we're going to be like we have always been. You know, we're going to be very open-hearted and, and, and very uh, willing to support them in whatever ways we, we can, give them the time that they need uh, if, they, if they have their interests and concerns, you know, and, and all that. Um, we're pretty good about 
working with everybody and that it's because we care so much. And so we, that helps us, we know what we're doing and how we're going to do that in a sense. And we'll, but we were, we're in an ad, adaptation mode the whole time. So um, it's really challenging. And, and uh, I can't really tell you what's going to happen. We're just going to go for it and, and, and cut it loose and see, see where it goes and then adjust from there. Coach Carroll says there's a certain level of stress and competition that players need their body to be under to help them get ready for a season of football. What amount of time do players actually need to train before the season just to be ready? That's going to be a very big issue. You know, they, I know that our guys, they, they need six weeks of work really to, to, to get rolling. That's what the league has always allowed us. It's a couple weeks and then, and then four games, and, and it takes almost a full five, five to six weeks in camp. With, without an intense offseason with competition and guys working against each other and all of that, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to just figure it out. And, and we won't know until after we see the results of what, what happens, you know. We, maybe we'll start to see things happen early. I don't know. But uh, there's a certain level of competition and, and, and stress you need to be under to get your body to adapt and, and be ready for the kind of level of play that the league you know, demands. And, and so I, I don't know how that's going to go. But I do think it takes you five to six weeks anyway. And that's coming off – Weeks and weeks of you know an entire off season, you know, right. it's one of my greatest fears in this whole format of the NFL. How it sets up is the six weeks that the players take off before we start camp. It's frightening for me to to think that our guys go off on their own and we can't help them stay fit, you know, as they prepare for the this most rigorous of events going through a football season, you know. And so, I don't know. It's going to be. I, I'm hoping it's not. Hey, okay, let's get two weeks of work and then let's start playing NFL games. I hope it's not like that because that's that's going to be really challenging on their bodies and, and it'll be just almost impossible to figure that you could do it. So think about it this way. You, what usually happens is we go to camp for a couple of weeks and then we play a game and the guys play a quarter, you know, they don't play a full football game. So we right. take all of that time to kind of, you know, lead them into it. So there's, uh, there'll be a lot of scientifics, a lot of analytics that'll help support that, but it's going to be a challenge to figure that out. Is the expectation that all on-field work in the off season is going to be closed down until training camp? We really know that the league's not really I, like John said. I think to you guys the other night that they have really been closed-lipped about that because I don't, I don't know that they know yet, and so they're just waiting to get through the draft and then we'll kind of re- reestablish where we are. Um, I would imagine the next couple of weeks we would we'll, we'll get a lot more information about that, but but who knows? You know, <laughs> we don't know. And somebody said we're this is pandemic time, so we're in a whole new ballgame right here. So we gotta wait and see. So there it is. That concludes all three days of the Seahawks NFL draft press conferences. There's also a lot of press conferences from the players that we haven't even got to yet. So I'll be planning to do more with those coming up. We have some draft calls to the Seahawks players, which are really cool. If you haven't had a chance to go on and look at those, there's an article up at fieldgoals.com that points out each one of those calls to the specific players. I also wanted to thank everyone who listens. I put a call out ahead of the draft and I was hoping to get more than 100 reviews through the Apple Podcasts app. And I want to thank those of you who helped me reach that goal. And thanks to everyone who listened to of all the team specific podcasts on SB Nation, football, baseball, soccer, college sports, hockey and basketball. You help put this show into the top 10. So really appreciate you making that happen. If you're looking for more Seahawks talk, my buddy Adam Emmert and I put out our latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast this last week, seahawkerspodcast.com. If you want to check that out, subscribe to that show, subscribe to this one, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. 
I am going to be slowing down a little bit more now that we're through the draft, but stay tuned. There will be a lot more to talk about. So until then, go Hawks.